you've been here all month, you know that we've been using Scripture references that John Wesley himself preached from. You'll notice that he often used one verse or two verse. This morning, it says one verse, but in fact, he only used a phrase of it. Therefore, let us go on toward perfection. This is the word of God for the people of God. Wesley wrote a lot in his life. At one point, Wesley wrote that the doctrine of sanctification is the grand deposit which God has lodged with the people called Methodist. And for the sake of propagating this chiefly, he appears to have raised us up. Now that's a strong statement that Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, thought that the main reason God had moved in his life and inspired him and been able to inspire others through him was so that we would know this word and understand this idea of sanctification. I mean, Methodists were involved in taking care of the poor, the widows and the children. They started schools. They started health clinics. And yet Wesley says, despite all the work that the Methodists had done, it was appearing to him that the main task and the main reason that God had moved in his life and started this revolution across England that touched the lives of thousands was that they would know that they were going on to perfection or being made perfect in love or the doctrine we call sanctification. And yet what I find is it greatly is misunderstood in Methodist circles. You can survey websites of Methodist churches across the country. I doubt you'll find it anywhere. We do not talk about it very much. And yet, Wesley thought it was extremely important for what God had done in him and was doing in England. And I think it's important for us to understand, of all people, we should understand what Wesley was talking about. I think we misunderstand for a couple of reasons. We typically use the word perfect in English, in American English, thinking of the Latin root word, which has to do with the static, sinless, flawless state. That's not what Wesley intended when he used the word. He was thinking more of the Greek root, which has more the sense of being made whole or being made perfect or mature in love. Being made whole we're being made mature in love. So he doesn't mean, oh, humans are flawless. We all know from personal experience, right? We make mistakes. Anybody not make mistakes? We make mistakes. That's not what Wesley's talking about. So often we think, oh, that can't be right. That's not what Wesley means here. He's talking about when we experience sanctification or being made perfect in love, it is that our motivations are all rooted in love. That we've been filled with the love of God, and we love God, and we love our neighbor. That's being made perfect in love. That all of our motivations, all that we say, all that we do, are because we love God, and we want to share that love with our neighbor. That's what Wesley is talking about. Remember the word love that we typically have in our translation of the 
Christian scriptures comes from the Greek word agape, which indicates the desire to will the good or do the good for the other. It is a positive force for goodness. It's positive actions on behalf of someone else so that they might experience love or joy or hope or some other kind of goodness. So first of all, we misunderstand. So let's be clear. He doesn't mean perfect in terms of flawless, but being filled with God's love. But then the second misunderstanding, I think, comes because we have had the first one and we think, I'm not perfect, so we don't believe it's possible to be made perfect as Wesley meant it in love. So we dismiss the idea. So we don't think about it. We don't try. We don't search the scriptures to see what God has said to us. We don't even think God is trying to do this work in us, as Wesley said. We completely dismiss us, dismiss it. So let me break this down for you. We, we need to understand this. I'm going to try to make it easy. Do you believe that God loves you? Just give me this if you're with me. <laughs> That's the first step. God loves you. Okay, we've got that. Do you believe that God's love is greater than sin? That's the right answer for Christians. You know, if you think you're so bad that God can't change you, you're really saying you're more powerful than God. That's a big statement. So Christians say God's love is bigger than sin. Then the third question, can you believe that God's love is at work within you to transform you into a fully loving human? And when I talk with people, this is where they stumble. They say, oh, not me. Maybe someone I know who's a really good person or has been a Christian for a long time. Or maybe my grandmother, she really loved everyone, but not me. But the Bible says, oh, yes, you too. That God is making this offer to each and every one of us. But most of us really struggle with believing it. I think I ran into a confirmation of this not too long ago. A friend of mine sent me an email, and with it was a video from YouTube. You can still find this on YouTube. It was called The Real Beauty Sketches Experiment. It was done by the Dove, the people who make soap. Real Beauty Sketches. And what had happened is they had invited a forensic artist, you know, one of these guys who when there's a crime, you describe the person, he sketches the face. They'd invited him, he was from the San Jose Police Department, to go into an art studio and sit behind a curtain. Then they brought women into the room and he asked them, would you describe to me what you look like? How long is your hair? What's the texture? How about your facial structure? Any prominent features? What else should I know? And he would do a sketch of them. Now, before they had come in, they also asked him to get to know one other person. And so they had talked with another person before they came in. So once they finished the sketch of the woman sitting there, he would say, now, would you describe to me the friends you met before you came in? And so they would begin to remember, and he would sketch that. And then after he had done this with quite a few people, at the end of the day, he took the sketch, which was the self-description, and hung it up, and he took the sketch from the friend of them and put it right next to them. And then they brought the women in one by one to see the two sketches. 
for the most part, they just stood in silence when they saw them. A few of them gasped and stepped back. When they asked them what they were thinking, they said things like this. And almost always they were looking at the sketch that the friend had described of them. And they said, she looks friendlier. She looks more open. She looks thinner. She's more beautiful. One after another. The interviewer asked one of the women after she had seen the two sketches, are you more beautiful than you say you are? And she shook her head and said, yeah. Every woman that stood before the sketches were brought to a moment of introspection, a moment of self-reflection about who they are and how they think of themselves and whether or not they are beautiful. Are you beautiful? Are you lovable? Is it possible that God loves you so much that God has revealed this great, overflowing, abundant, unceasing, unconditional love through Jesus for you? Are you included in that? That's the question sanctification raises for us. As your pastor, my answer is, yes, you are beautiful, you are lovable. God is doing this revelation of this great love for you and each and every one of us. I love that passage that Paul penned when he's writing to the Ephesians. I put it in your outline. By the power at work within us, God is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. God is doing more than you would even ask, more than you can imagine, more than you can see. I think that came out in the real beauty sketches. The beauty came out when somebody else was describing the face. They were more beautiful than they had seen. God is doing a work in you to make you even more beautiful. God is doing a work in you to fill you with love, to shape and form you into a fully loving human being. God is your creator. God loves you. God is doing this for you. The psalmist said it in days gone by that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. The psalmist talks about that God was knitting us in our mother's womb before we ever responded. God loved us. God shaped us and formed us. And we were wonderfully made. Praise be to God. Is it possible? Can you believe it's possible for you? That God loves you that much? That God can change you and shape you and form you into a fully loving human being? John Wesley argued that God not only wanted to save us from our sin, but to save us to something greater, to a life of love and blessing. But too often, Christians stop short we accept that God has sent Jesus for us, but we fail 
to continue to follow, to experience all the blessings that God wants to shower upon us. John Wesley said, now listen, if it was not possible for each of us, then the scriptures would not promise this. If it was not possible for each of us, then the scriptures would not promise it. And he used scripture after scripture. Oh, he used this one we read this morning from Hebrews. Let us go on to perfection. But he also referenced St. Paul's testimony in Philippians. You remember this? Not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Or 1 John 3, 8, the Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil, or you could say the works of sin within us. Or James chapter 1, verse 4, let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. I like a couple from the Gospel of Matthew that Wesley used. Jesus at one point is talking about the greatest commandment. I think you'll recognize this. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's being a person, right, filled with love. With all of who we are, we are loving. That's sanctification or going on to perfection or being made perfect in love. Or this passage, when Jesus is teaching also in Matthew, he says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Then this, be perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Or be mature in love as your heavenly Father is mature in loving you. It doesn't mean flawless. It means that you have so turned your life over to God. That you've been filled with God's love. So that all your motivations are to share that love as you go about your living. Can God do this? Will God do this in your life? The Bible is pretty consistent on this. The answer is yes, God can do this, and God will do this. Paul writes in another place where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. That means no matter what you've done or where you've been, no matter what secret you might be hiding or what you feel really bad about, God can take care of that. God's love can Embrace that and redeem that. God wants to do that for you. God wants to do that in your life because God really does love you and God's love and grace abound. Jennifer Thompson was a 22-year-old college senior living in an apartment alone 
One night, a man broke into her house, wielding a knife, and raped her. She saw his face before he left. She went to the police and reported the crime. With their help, they identified a man that could be the man. She saw him and said, yes, he is the man. I am sure of it without a shadow of a doubt. He is the man. So they took it to trial. They had a jury trial. All the while, Ronald Cotton was the man. He maintained his innocence. But the jury found him guilty. They sentenced him to life in prison plus 50 years. The whole time, he said, I was not the man. After he had served 11 years or over 4,000 days, they found out he was not the man. Through DNA testing, they could prove he was not the man. He was exonerated and released from prison. Jennifer felt terrible. She was overwhelmed with guilt. She had been so sure, and yet she had been wrong. She thought, surely he must hate me. And then through, through a series of circumstances, the two of them met. And with great sorrow and apprehension, she apologized and asked for his forgiveness. And Ronald Cotton said, I never hated you. Of course I forgive you. I don't know Ronald Cotton. I've never met him. But it sure sounds like to me when I read about his life and his story that he's a man that's motivated by nothing but the love of God. And it comes out of him in his life as love of neighbor. Jennifer Thompson, who's a white woman, and Ronald Cotton, who is a black man, have now become friends. They were in Oklahoma City on Friday night at our Oklahoma City University talking about what happens when we wrongly convict people and how we need to work really hard to get this right and what we can do as a society to help those who have been wrongly convicted. I think their lives are full of God's love. They are people of faith. And I think they're motivated in what they're doing and in their living by God's love. Can you believe that God's love is at work within you to transform you into a fully loving human? Can you believe that you're going on to perfection? That God is going to shape you and form you if you only open yourself to God's love and to this fully human person? Wesley believed it could be so. I think he's right. I think we need to think more about this and to pray more about this and to strive more to receive this. Let me close with this quote from Wesley when he was preaching on this very topic. He said, too many people think I must first be or do this or this. Then you are seeking this perfect love by works. If you seek it by faith, you may expect it as you are. And if as you are, then expect it now. 
Look for this blessing just as you are, neither better nor worse. Wait for nothing. Why should you? Christ is ready, and He is all you want. He is waiting for you. He is at the door. Let your inmost soul cry out, Come in, come in, thou heavenly guest. Nor hence again remove, but sup with me, and let the feast be everlasting love. And let the feast be everlasting love. And let the feast, let your life be everlasting love. Amen. And thanks be to God.